Welcome to Martha Runs the World, a podcast with a new take on running, fitness, and all things health-oriented. I'm Martha Hughes, your host, and each week I present a new topic that is of interest to all runners. Hi, and welcome to episode 181 of Martha Runs the World. Videography has become a very important part of the running community. Many, many great filmmakers and video makers, I should say, do a superb job of them. If you browse around YouTube long enough, you'll find some really good ones. One day while I was browsing in YouTube, I found Stephen Reed, who is a runner. He lives in Northern Ireland. He's also a filmmaker, a videographer, and he does such a great job with his films. They're beautifully done. They have great music. They're funny, and they just show really, really cool races, where he runs, and he has a really good sense of humor. He will make you laugh. They're just great. I love his race films. I love the, those those films a lot. I like all his films. I haven't found one that I don't like. He he also shows his hikes, and he has friends on, and his camping. He showed one where he camped on this island. It was really, really cool. And he also went to the Cotswolds, I believe, for a while, and he did some work in in Scotland filming a bike race. He did some really, really neat stuff. So I know you're going to enjoy my interview with him. And then I also I want to give a few words about how my running is and a little tip for you after the interview. But first, here is Stephen Reed. Well, you welcome to the program. He's a runner, trail runner, a filmmaker, really, really good filmmaker, and he dabbles in graphic design. This is Stephen Reed. Hi, Steve. How are you? Hi, Martha. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Very well. Good. Yeah. Now, I came across your channel. I was just looking up trail running, and yours popped up, and I immediately really liked it. But what I want to know is what came first, filmmaking or running? Oh, uh, oh dear. This is like a really long and complicated question. That, that, because... That's fine. We got all the time <laughs> in the world. <laughs> um, it, it depends whether you're talking serious running or serious filmmaking, because I suppose I've been, you know, like everybody, I ran a lot as a, as a, as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, it was always good. I find, I find running was good for getting away from people who you'd cheesed off um, and annoyed. It was a method of fleeing the scene after maybe you'd caused a bit of a bit of chaos, um, <laughs> or if someone didn't like you and was coming after 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 you. Uh, after you. Um, I suppose when I was younger, I would have um, invited the attention of the occasional bully. So running has always been a useful <laughs> a useful skill. Uh, video filmmaking. I started dabbling in video when I was. 14, 13, 14, around, around about that age, but back way before um, it was ever an option to, to do as a career. I was just making stupid videos with my with my webcam, with, you know, with my friends, you know, and making little animations and things. Um, but talking about getting into running seriously, I, I got into running seriously after about a year into a graphic design degree um, as a university, away from home for the first time. And I realized that I could spend my money on whatever I wanted. 
my mother was no longer in control of what I ate. <laughs> so <laughs> I ate a lot of fast food, put on quite a bit of weight very quickly and had this moment one day where I realized, Stephen, your job is most likely going to involve a computer. It's most likely going to involve sitting for quite a substantial number of hours. You should probably start doing some form of exercise. <laughs> um, and that kind of started me running. Um, and then I suppose after three, four years of doing graphic design, I then shifted over to video because um, I suppose the long, long story short, video for me is a more free way of being creative. Um, when I was doing graphic design and also web design, those are those are very creative skills, but they're very tied up by rules tied around information that you're trying to present. Um, and especially when it came to online design, like web web design, you'll you'll notice all websites today look completely the same, essentially. But if you look back to 10, 15 years ago, they're all kind of wacky, weird designs out there before we realized that actually people don't want weird and wacky designs. We just need the information. So when we realized that, it sort of sucked the creativity out of out of uh, web design a bit. So that pushed me away from it and then more and more towards video. But I love video. It's just pure, pure creativity. Um, and as long as you can communicate what you're trying to communicate in a way that people find enjoyable, it, it can be successful. Uh, I don't know if that answered your question, but oh yeah, <laughs> oh absolutely, yeah, yeah, very much so. Well, your films are really good. They're just they're creative and they show exactly what you want them to show, and they're they're wonderful. Now, oh, thank you. Yeah, you live and 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 one of the the byproducts of what your films are, you get to showcase where you live, and the scenery yeah. is spectacular. It's amazing. Now, what part of Ireland do you live in? Ah, uh, this is where it always gets complicated. So okay. I live in uh, <laughs> I live in County Antrim in Northern Ireland, okay. um, which is the part of Ireland which is part of the UK. Right. Um, and so anybody that knows any bit of history, they'll also know that it's a bit that's always causing the trouble. <laughs> um, so yeah, up up sort of the north, uh, the north, the northeast of Ireland. So I mm-hmm. spent sort of most of my time. Um, in around Northern Ireland, but I would go sort of all around the country mm-hmm. occasionally, occasionally as well. Yeah. Northern yeah. Ireland is an interesting place because it's tiny with a population of about, I think 1.5 million. Um, and geographically, it's not that big. You can drive the longest straight line you can drive in the country is probably two and a half hours. Um, which to us just seems like, you know, very far away. And obviously, if you're going down into, uh, the Republic of Ireland, you can drive for about six, seven hours. Um, but within such a small country, we've just got a really big variation of landscape. There's a lot of beautiful coastlines. We've got um, small, compact mountain ranges. There's hills and glens up near where I am, up in the, gl- the glens of Antrim. Um, and then you've got a lake lands down in, in Fermanagh. So within a very small area, there is a big, big variation in, in landscapes. Um, which I find quite useful um, for wanting to make uh, outdoors videos. Yeah, it's 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 amazing. I didn't realize there was so much open country in, in the north there. I know my father's family is from Donegal, so yeah, uh, that I think that was one of the first films I saw was when you were yes running out there. Oh, it's gorgeous. 
Yeah, yeah. The, D- Donegal has the weird accolade of it's the it's it's the north it's the most northerly part of Ireland, but it's in the south. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know that's well, my dad's family's weird, so. <laughs> <laughs> It figures yeah. they would be from there. <laughs> I, I need to, I need to go back to Donegal. I've got there's a few videos I've got planned this summer. I before before COVID hit, I had plans to cover a lot more of the country as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, but two years of pandemic sort of restricted <laughs> sort of restricted yeah. me uh, more cl- more closer to home. But yeah, I'm going to be going further afield hopefully over the summer. Very good. Well, ev- everything is starting to open up now, so we can travel yeah. a little bit more yeah. easily. Uh, without the all the restrictions now i love the races that you you've mm. filmed so uh what is your favorite race oh uh, do you have one that's a, co- a complicated question my, my, <laughs> every, my, every question every, is complicated yeah. see <laughs> yeah I, I have i have this thing where i i will never have i never have a, an exact favorite i have a favorite for a mood or a favorite okay. for a season or, or 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 if the weather is a certain way i have a mm-hmm. favorite but in general, I think probably my the two favorite type favorite types of races. Okay. So my two favorite types of races would be a trail half marathon, okay, um, or or um, a mountain race like a shorter under two hours mountain race. Um, I used to run roads in a lot, a lot, and I did um, marathon ran a marathon five years in a row and got kind of fed up with roads and mm-hmm. moved off. But I love I love trail running and I love mountain running. And I prefer probably the slightly longer races over over an hour, um, but yeah, I really like uh, a trail half marathon because it's a long enough distance that it's a proper achievement, and you will cover a large distance. Um, but it's also short enough that you can maintain the fitness for a half marathon while only running maybe two times a week. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those it's nice too. You don't wear yourself out so much like an ultras or something yes i've i've never tagged i would like to do an ultra someday okay um but it would be something i build up to oh, I, yeah. I i value flexibility with my time and anything that sort of takes over that i resent so the training if i was to maintain ultra fitness constantly i would eventually resent the time um that i'd be just constantly putting into that but i do want to do one someday. well they're fun because you 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 get to walk a lot. It isn't all running and you get to eat a lot. That's the fun part. Yes. Yes. I, I, uh, yeah, but I, I can eat most things while, while running. So that's probably a good sign. Actually, I lie. I do have a, I do have a race, which I suppose is one of my, one of my favorites. There's a race called the, uh, the Causeway Coast Half Marathon. And it's the very first proper trail race that I ran. And I think it's my favorite race because it's got biggest variation in landscape of any of the types of run i do i mean the mountain runs they're fine but they're all they're all mountain the whole way trail races are fine they're trail the whole way but the causeway coast trail race is a combination of you run on gravel tracks you run on mud you run down a beach that might have some cows on it you (laughs) you scramble around the front of limestone cliffs you run right past the giant's causeway oh wow that up high yeah up high along these cliff cliff paths you're running along and there's you know 20 feet beside you there's a drop straight 100 meters maybe down Mm. down to down down to the sea it's it's spectacular 
Absolutely spectacular course. So one mm. I always recommend to people who are thinking of getting into trail running because I know it's a really good gateway drug. If they do that race, they'll be hooked. We'll be right back. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. I love that that you mentioned the beach because there your coastline. We have this area. I live in San Francisco, and we okay. have this area across the Golden Gate Bridge called the Marin Headlands. And it's it, there's there's very little trees. It's windswept, mm. and there's there's the, it, there's hills. You go up to a, you can do a thousand feet up the hill in a mile. So it's pretty good elevation, yeah. but it's windswept cliffs and hit and you know, hundreds mm. of miles of trails up there and it's really good training and it goes down to the beach and it's along the, the ocean there and it's very windy and the weather's not so good there. And it reminds me of, um, I, now I've never been to Ireland, but I've been to England, Scotland. It reminds me of the areas out there by the, by the ocean. And there was one point where you take your van to the beach. And I said, this looks like the Marin headlands, except that you hear the sheep in your, in your video. And I said, oh, except for that, <laughs> there's no sheep where we are at. That's the only thing that, that distinguished it from here is that, yeah, you're going to, you're going to hear sheep <laughs> the, on the beach or, or where you are at. So that's a big difference than here. I find that very strange. I've I've only been over uh, to the states once. I was in um, I was down near San Diego uh, for about week week and a half, and so there were no sheep, and everything was sort of a, a brown color. There was no there was yeah. no green anywhere. No, no, we we it 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 turns we don't get rain in the summertime, so things get brown. But it right yeah. around this time of year, it's green because we get rain in the winter time and it gets yeah. it's colder. And our beaches are way more interesting than Southern California because it, it, we don't <laughs> get the heat that they do, and we get um, and and it's rocky and cliff and lots of cliffs and, yeah. and the weather's not so nice. So ours are way more interesting. I mean, if you just want to lay on the beach and get sun in this in Southern California, that's fine. You can do that. But ours are way more interesting, I think, you know, for especially for running. I've heard that rate that aid stations in in Europe are way more different than they are in the U.S. Like in in Switzerland, you can you when you go to the aid station, like in the UTMB or something like that, you get you get a ham and cheese sandwich, and in the U.S. you get pizza. <laughs> but what 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 if if you go to during a during a trail race in Ireland, what do you have at aid stations? <laughs> so. Uh... A lot of them are fairly standard. A lot of them are fairly standard. You'll turn up and it'll be, you know, just some water, maybe some sports drink, boxes of sweets, that kind of stuff. But there is, uh, there are a couple of races you turn up to, and there will be bo- boiled potatoes. Ooh, nice! I love <laughs> you, boiled that, potatoes that you can grab. Um, is there anything else out of the ordinary? No, the, pota- the potatoes is a nice touch because yeah. it's, I actually I, I was skeptical about. it. I laughed the first time I saw it. It's like baby boiled potatoes, and I didn't take any the first time I did this race. The second time I did, and actually eating something that isn't a really super sugary sweet thing in the middle of a race settles your actually settles your stomach a bit. So it actually was a good idea. It does. It does. Boiled potatoes, bacon. Bacon is really good, especially mm. if it's warm. 
Oh my gosh, that that salt. Ooh, it's really really good. Yeah, I, I if I'm doing a long day in the mountains where maybe out for five six hours just ambling along, I would maybe bring uh bring like sausage or cheese mm-hmm. or some some kind of real like high calorie salty salty food that I can eat as I go. Exactly, exactly. There was this race that I was doing up in the, in the, uh, it was doing, was it 20 miler or something like that? And it was really warm. I was 80 degrees at Fahrenheit. I, I don't know what that is Celsius, but it was really warm. And the only thing that, that settled in my stomach was warm, warm Coke and potato chips. And that was, <laughs> that was the only thing I could handle. It was like, okay, this is good. This is 80, good. 80 Fahrenheit is 26 degrees Celsius. Yeah. So yeah. we, we would rarely see that even during the middle of the summer. Right, right. Well, this is, uh, I mean, yeah, ours is a little um, different. Yeah. Yeah. If, <laughs> yeah. If you travel to France or something, you probably see that. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. That would, that would kill me. <laughs> uh, hot, hot temperature for me was today. Today was 15 degrees Celsius, which is, was uh, I'm very quickly doing calculations here while continuing to talk. So there's no dead air. On this podcast. <laughs> right. Here we go. Uh, 59 degrees. Oh, wow. Well, that, that's about, well, that's normal for here this time of year. So that'd be about normal for, for here. Yeah. We don't, uh, in San Francisco itself, we, we kind of have this, this like, we're surrounded that now our temperature within San Francisco is different than, than the Bay area around us. San Francisco has is surrounded by water by three sides. Yeah. So we get cooler. It can be 20 degrees cooler in the city than it wow. is. If you go out to the East Bay or around the, the surrounding areas. Yeah. It stays cooler within here. It's strange how the weather changes. If, if you go 10 miles, it's very, very strange. So we're kind of uh, spoiled here. Now you are, you still make films for companies, right? Yeah. That's how I make my, the vast majority of my income is, is from commercial video production. Okay. All right. Yeah. What was the most difficult film that you ever made? Ah, uh, this has got nothing to do with running. Oh no. Um, well, no, I'm, outdoors or I, I'm very interested to find out what, okay. what your, you, a little bit more of your filmmaking is kind of interesting. I think. Yeah. So the majority of the, the filmmaking I, I do, it, it's, it's, it's advertising essentially. Um, you know, it's either for social media or, or it's for, or it's for TV. Um, I have worked on a couple of documentaries and a couple of short films, but with my clients, it's always, you know, to promote a product, service or business, something like that. And there was one Christmas I worked on a three and a half minute long stop motion advert. Um, that there were only Three, two, three of us worked on. It took, I'd, I'd always wanted to do a stop motion advert. One of the things that got me into filmmaking was sort of seeing the magic behind how, you know, certain films and animations are made. And I don't know if you've ever seen any of the Ardman, Walsh and Gromit shorts. Mm, yes. Um, mm-hmm. But I loved those as, as a kid. And, you know, as, as I got older, I watched to see how it was done, stop motion. And if you don't know what stop motion is, stop motion is when you have, you know, like an articulated puppet. And for every piece of movement you take in your photograph, so there's the puppet standing perfectly still, say the hand is in the air. I take a photograph and I want the puppet to wave. So I move the hand a millimeter. I take another photograph. I move the hand a millimeter. I take another photograph. Mm. I move and repeat um, until you sort of build up an animation. On a good day, you can do about 10 to 20 seconds of, animation over six hours of just sitting in a darkened room moving these puppets but 
um, I always want to do a stop motion project because I kind of like making things, like physically making things as well. And it's not something I get to do that often. So I had this opportunity to make a Christmas advert. There was an okay budget there. <laughs> um, not that I made that much money on it, but I decided, you know what, this is my excuse to make a stop motion video. So I spent six months, three months was learning how to do it because I didn't really know how to do it. And then three months was making it and about three of us worked on it. And the terrifying thing was that I didn't know if it was going to work until I'd spent three months, I think, just all working on the project because I had to learn how to make these, these puppets, these models, these characters from scratch. And that involved mixing chemicals together and casting plastics and molding rubbers and all kinds of stuff I'd never done before. I had to build a workshop from scratch. Um, and that whole process took three months. So it was three months to the time I had a finished puppet. Um, uh, and that was a very, yeah, that was just a really, really stressful project. It's the closest I've come to probably having like a, a full panic attack breakdown on a job. Um, I can remember there's one night I was in the, in the studio. It was just dark. It was just in a darkened room all day moving these puppets millimeters at a time. Oh um, and I checked the schedule and saw how we didn't have much, you know, there's only a few weeks left until this had to be finished. And I didn't know if I was going to get it. I just had this wave of panic and fear. <laughs> and uh, it's, yeah, it's the most stressed I've ever been on a job. And it seems from the outside, it's, it was just such a fluffy, simple thing. It was about an alien that crash lands in my local town and a friendly pigeon shows it around the town at Christmas and everything's great. Um, <laughs> but it, it caused me so much stress. And because I put six months into it, I didn't look for any other work outside of it. So I ended up no with no money at the end of it and all kinds of stuff. But it ended up being one of the, one of a few jobs that kind of got my name out there a bit for being able to do video work. And even though I have never done a project like that a stop motion project like that since and i've moved away from that um it was good and that it kind of helped the kickstart it was a step into sort of building a, re- a reputation but yeah that's the most stressful thing i've ever done wow wow well have you ever thought about doing another one um i did we, we did one very very short 20 second stop motion video which was which was which was fine and then we've also worked with I say we, I work with my, my sister works with me as well. And then at one point, sometimes I might bring in freelancers who've got specialties. They'll come in and I'll maybe assemble a a crew for a job. But there was a period where we were trying to, every Christmas we were doing Christmas ads and we were using puppets and there, or we were using stop motion. I really, really liked doing it. I thought actually at one point, this is where my career is going to go. I'm going to be doing these, 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 these adverts, these films that use puppets, that use special effects. Um, but we do it all practically and it's all kind of fun because I really like that stuff. Um, but that's, that's all kind of faded away now because I've moved more towards outdoors and tourism. And the, the simple fact is that within Northern Ireland, very few, it's just, it's just such a small country. Very few people will have the budget to do mm. that kind of job properly, or at least in a way that is actually profitable for, for me to do without working 18 hours a day for six months and mm. um, so I've kind of I've moved away from that now I would never say never might do some stop motion projects again um, I mean the very first one the very first video was ever made was a stop motion video I made when I was 15 it was one of those webcam videos I made where I used my webcam to film it um, 
But yeah, never say never again. But I've kind of moved on from that now, and now it's more about outdoors and tourism content. Mm. Mm, that makes that makes a lot of sense. You use a lot of drones yes. during your filming, right? Was that easy to learn? Um, yes and no. I I first get in got my first drone five or six years ago. Um. I mean, I always knew I wanted to get a drone as soon as I saw that, um, as soon as I started to see the food you were get, you were getting from them. Um, because it just, it just shows off a landscape. It just sets the scene in a way that is impossible to do from ground level. Yeah. So when I was starting to do more outdoors filming, it was a no brainer for me to, to get a drone. Um, I first got one about five years ago. Um, and, the, the standard standard photo video drones are actually quite easy to fly and use. Um, they've got GPS built in, so, uh, so you just fly them up into the air. And if you take your hands off the controls, generally they'll just sit there. They'll they'll take off for themselves. They'll land themselves. Um, even a lot of them have quick these quick shot modes built in, where you can just tap a couple of buttons and it'll go and do a complicated movement without you having to know how to fly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not that difficult to get into flying them initially. Um, I do fly most, most of my flights I do completely manually because I just prefer flying like that. And I fly all the time. So I sort of built up a skill with those normal photo video drones over a fairly long time. But as I say, they're not difficult to get into. But what has been more difficult in the last year that I got into is flying FPV drones. Those are drones that you fly with goggles over your eyes mm-hmm. and you fly it the view you see in the goggle is what the camera on the drone sees. So it's literally like you're piloting a hawk or some kind of bird or a miniature fighter jet or something like that. Um, but the controls are completely different from flying a normal photo video drone. Uh, people are familiar with things like the DJI Mini, DJI Mavic series, those standard photo video drones, where if you let go of the controls, nothing bad is going to happen. With an FPV drone, if you let go of the controls, it'll probably crash within, you know, 10, 15 seconds. Because um, when you're flying them in the mode that lets you do the best flying, and they're just amazing because you can you can literally fly like a bird. You can dive over the edge of a cliff straight down vertically. You can fly up. You can fly upside down. You can, you can follow the flow and the shape of the landscape a lot more than you can with a standard photo video drone. So that's why I love using them in certain contexts. But it took me, I had to learn in a flight sim, computer flight simulator um, that you plug into the goggles, about three, four weeks training in that. The first time I took off in fully manual mode, so there's no assists. You're, you're controlling everything with, with, um, with, your, with, the, with the controls. Um, I crashed about 30 seconds. Um, it took probably, probably a week of practice before I didn't crash within a minute every single time I tried to fly in the simulator. So it's very, very difficult to fly. I have a, I have a friend who's a pilot and he says it sound, it's that he thinks that flying a small airplane would actually be easier than flying um, <laughs> an, an FPV drone just because, just because of how the, how the controls work. Mm, um, that's, so. that's tough. That's tough. Now, since there's a lot of open space there, is, are there a lot of, are there any restrictions of, of flying drones where you live but that is a good a good thing about about ireland and northern ireland more specifically is that 
there aren't a huge number of airports and because it's fairly low density population yeah um there are loads of places to fly now you can't fly in the middle of a city center and well unless you're using a very specific category of 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 drone but yeah in general the places i fly they tend to be wide there's open um there's public access and there aren't there aren't airports nearby so um and their locations i i can fly i can fly from near my house my house is on the edge of a field so that's handy sort of on the edge of the countryside so loads of places to fly near me um i sometimes see people who live right in the middle of a city that's hours away from somewhere where they could fly and they buy a drone and then what well, you know what what was the point but yeah there's so many options when it comes to where you can fly that's true now if i wanted to move up my my phone now if i wanted to move up from my phone to film where i run is a gopro the way that i should go do you think if i could only have one camera because man, i currently use when i'm running i use up to three cameras i have a drone a gopro and an insta360 camera but if i had to just sat down to one i would take the gopro um the reason i would take the um, specifically the newer gopro hero 10 the reason for that is it has the best audio of any action camera. And for me, that's always been an important part of making run-in videos. I, I'd always, I'd seen people do videos of runs before, but they didn't talk. They just kind of showed things. Mm-hmm. And I found I kind of switched off very quickly. So I think if you want to, if you're doing run videos or trail run, you have to talk to people, you have to tell them where you are, what you're looking at, how you're feeling. So the audio is important. So GoPro is really, really good audio. Um, you can improve it by adding, sticking on little sticky windshields. Um, and it has the best video quality out of any action camera out there. And it's just really quick and simple to use. You pick it up, you push the button and it starts, it starts recording. Um, so yeah, if I could only pick one, I would go GoPro. Um, I also do have, um, a 360 camera as well, which is really good because you can put it up in a long pole and it gives you a really unique perspective, but it, wouldn't be the sort of tool I would use solely on its own because you have to process all, sorry, you have to process all the, the videos individually afterwards. So it's, it's a bit of a slower workflow. Um, if you don't care so much about the audio quality and talking and you really want it, a 360 camera and a standard action camera, um, Insta360 released the Insta360 RS, which is a modular action camera, getting really technical now which has a 360 module and a standard action camera module. So you can swap between them. It's a little bit tricky when you're running, but if you're, if you're making videos at a slightly slower pace and you do want both a 360 perspective and a normal perspective, that, that can be a useful camera. But if I had to grab one camera and one camera only, it'd be GoPro Hero 10. That's, that's great. I, I love that information. I know my listeners are going to really appreciate that. I have one last question for you. And I always ask this of all my runners. If you could do any race anywhere, regardless of qualification or distance or travel, what race would you like to run? <laughs> I do the Barkley Marathon. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I know you'd be filming it too, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because what, what I've discovered is that the thing that connects with people probably the most is sort of the pain, suffering, and absurdity uh, that surrounds that surrounds running, and I think that race probably <laughs> probably sums that up more than that, more than anything else. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. I love it. 
Well, thank you so much for joining me. This is terrific. And I love your videos and please keep it up. And uh, I'll have a link to, to your channel. And uh, I know my listeners are going to really love it and really appreciate and enjoy everything that you do. And best of luck. Yep. Thanks so much. Thank you for having, having me on. This, is, uh, this has been fun. Yeah. Thanks, Stephen. And have a great day. Thanks, Martha. Thank you, Stephen, so much. That was really fun talking to you. I think we could have had the interview go on for two more hours and not covered everything. I wish you the best of luck, and I can't wait to see a bunch of more of your videos. And if you ever do, do decide to do an ultra, I want you on the show again. Really, totally do. All right. Now, and oh, and it also makes me want to run in Ireland really badly. Really, really badly it does. <laughs> All right. Okay, my running. Speaking of, speaking of cold weather and I and and Irish type weather, I went on a trail run with my friend this morning, and we went up to um, up off Skyline Boulevard, and it's been very cold. And July in San Francisco is known to be a little cooler. We don't get that hot summer weather like other parts of the country do. We don't get our weather till like September or October. So it is known to be cold in the summer, and it was very cold up where we were this morning. Purisma Creek, that's hard to say, <laughs> is not is a cool place to hike to hike and run, but it gets super crowded. Now we went up early. We left my apartment about seven thirty, so we left early this on a Sunday, and the weather wasn't great, so there weren't that many people when we we got there about eight doesn't take long to get there. And it was pretty nice. We only saw a few people out there. But by the time we got back to the car, I would say around 9.30-ish, 9.15-ish, it was starting to fill up, even in the bad weather. And if we had waited longer, it would have been just be packed and we wouldn't have been able to get a parking spot at all. So the, it was nice to go early. It gets very crowded. If it's really warm weather, it forget about it. It's going to be mountain bikers and families with kids and everything like that. So you got to think of someplace else to go. But these are the kind of places that are great, but you have to go early. You have to get up early and get there as early as you can, as early as the first light. So it was nice, but it was also really cold and very foggy. And the woods had that drip, drip sound like it does. Well, have you ever been, if you've ever been to the Olympic forest the olympic peninsula of washington state where they have the rainforest up there there's a constant drip drip of the water dripping down because it's like always water there's always a constant fog or or overcast there so it's always moisture and that's what it that's what it sounded like and i kind of like that sound i don't think i would want to live in it all the time but it's fun to run in in the morning so that was kind of cool. And it's it's a harsh trail because the first part you're going to go downhill. And then when you come back, it's going to be mostly uphill. So it's a tough trail. We went as far as we could until we hit real mud. And the trail just became this, this nasty, nasty muddiness. And we just said, no, we went back up. And we got a few miles in. But yesterday, or, or not yesterday, well, I'm filming, I'm, I'm recording this on Sunday, so... Um, yesterday on Saturday was my long run. So this was kind of my, like my recovery fun run. 
So I didn't want to push it too hard, and neither did my friend. She did another run uh, Saturday as well. So it was our fun run today. Yesterday, I did a really great run. I went out for three hours, and and because I have this time race next week, next weekend, next Saturday, so I went out for three hours and did, had no elevation at all, just did flat run. And it was also cold yesterday. It was very, very cold. It's been a freezing weekend. So I went out yesterday, got out early, and went along, ran along the bay in San Francisco. And that was a really fun run, although it was very windy and cold. There, there was one point I was running along the Marina Green on the on the bay side, right along the, the bay water. And it was so windy. It was cold and windy. And there were seagulls there, these they weren't the local California gulls. They were migratory gulls. And there was one gull who was just shivering. And I swear to God, it was just like, I said, yeah, I feel you, bird. I'm cold, too. <laughs> it was funny. It was really funny. Everyone, the birds, the people, everyone was cold. <laughs> it was really, really freezing. So that is still a fun run. I pushed myself real hard. I... I don't run the whole time for three hours, but I walk and I run and I walk and I run. And I take breaks if I need to. I sit and for a few minutes, five, ten minutes if I need to, chill out, you know, whatever. I take it pretty easy as I would, as I'm going to in this timed race. I'm not going to push myself super hard. I'm just going to take it easy and go for as long of the six hours that I can. So that's going to be fun. It's just a fun day, and I like these events because they're just super fun. So that is that. Oh, and I have a great tip for you, or a hack, as they say. If you have health insurance, a lot of times the health insurance companies now offer extra services. So go online to your health insurance. I, I do everything online anyway. So go online and see if there are any extra services that are thrown in with how how much you pay because we all pay a fortune for our health insurance so get as much as you can out of what you pay a lot of times these health insurance companies will give you extra stuff like nutrition help free free quote unquote under your under your under your policy under how much you pay uh, uh extra other services i actually belong to this group where they're helping us improve our diet and fitness and all this stuff. Not that I need help with the fitness, but the, she's the, but this nutritionist, this health advisor is helping me uh, hone my diet in, which which I pay through my health insurance. I don't have to pay extra for it. It's not a personalized service like a dietitian would be, but it's also not as expensive as a dietitian would be. They what this group does did is that they send me out a scale and the scale is connected right to her so that every time I weigh myself in the morning, they know exactly what, what I weigh. And that goes, that it's also connected to this app that we both, but everyone who's in this group can see. I mean, they can't see my weight, my advisor can, but, but everyone in the group sends in their, weighs themselves and then the advisor sees what's going on. We also log in our food, what we eat every day, and then she helps us get a really better balanced diet and asks us asks us what our goals are and 
really works with us to get a better diet. She's also she's already helped me get more vegetables in my diet, more protein in my breakfast, just little things like that. I need things to sustain me throughout the day so I don't go home at night and eat because that's one of my big downfalls. I don't want to eat at night. And sometimes I get home and I'm so hungry at night, it's just hard not to eat. So she's really helping me with that. And this is all paid through through my insurance. And a lot of insurance companies have these extra things. So don't hesitate to ask your insurance company or look into what the extra benefits that they have for you. You pay for it already. So why get as much out of it as you can? All right, that is my helpful hint for today, or or hack, as they say now. I still like hint better. Sorry, I'm old school. Stephen's information, everything for him will be on the website, MarthaRunsTheWorld.com. And all my information is on MarthaRunsTheWorld.com, so you can check that out. And if you would like to donate to buy me a cup of coffee... You can, the uh, link for that is on the website, or if you want to become a Patreon patron, I would love that too. That is also on the website. So thank you very, very much for listening, and until next week, let's tie up our shoelaces and go for a run. <laughs>